Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Inihongo Master Podcast. I'm your host Azra, and before we go further into this season's theme of working in Japan, I think it's best to break it down and lay out all the pros and cons to, well, working in Japan. If you've tuned into our previous season, Living in Japan, we did a similar comparison episode. And while living and working in Japan can come hand in hand, there are some office culture that's pretty distinctive to the Japanese working environment. The pros and cons can vary for various types of jobs and industries, of course. A negative that you experience in one position can be non-existent in another, and same goes for a positive. So everything is pretty much subjective. However, there are still things that the general Japanese working industry have, and that's what we're going to chat about. We're going to highlight three pros and three cons of working in Japan. Let's get into it, shall we? The first pro of working in Japan, I'd say, is loyalty. Loyalty, or chusei in Japanese, is a big aspect of Japanese working culture. You're expected to be loyal to the company, and in return, your kaisha is expected to return the same loyalty. By loyalty, I mean sticking to one company for a long time, rather than jumping companies year after year. In other words, this means a stable employment. The Japanese practice lifetime employment, shushin koyo in Japanese. This basically means, once you secure a job position, you can be assured that you have a place in the company for quite some time. It was practiced way more often during the first economic successes in the 1920s. But while the practice is nowhere near the scale it was back then, long-term employment is still a mutual understanding. In fact, it's more common than the alternative. This not only benefits you, but also the kaisha, company. Japanese companies will recruit new graduates and keep them to retirement. Once you're under their wing, you're part of the family. It's very rare for an employee to be fired. It's only in serious situations, like if you commit a crime or something. So, if your slate is clean during your time there, you have nothing to worry about. Short-term employment, as we briefly mentioned, is frowned upon. So that's a heads up for the interview, or mensetsu in Japanese. If they ask you how long you plan to stay in the company, don't ever say a year or two. Say three or five. Heck, be bold and say ten, because that might actually be what makes or breaks the deal. So you're pretty much going to be well taken care of when you have a full-time position in Japan. Just ace the interview and you're good to go. Here's a quick vocab recap. Chusei, loyalty. You can also say it as chujitsu. Shushin koyo, lifetime employment. Kaisha, company. Mensetsu, interview. The second pro of working in Japan is the learning opportunities. Job positions in Japan offer endless learning opportunities, growth and improvement. Even from the very start, you'll be learning quite a bit. Most Japanese companies provide paid training for employees before they start work. It can be on-site training or not, but regardless, the training will give you a general idea of what to expect, what people expect from you, and who you'll be working with. This on-the-job training is called Shokugyo Kunren in Japanese. And this training doesn't just happen at the start of the job. You're going to constantly get Shokugyo Kunren occasionally throughout your employment. They're either just refresh courses or for when you get promoted to another position to take on new roles. Long story short, be prepared to constantly be expanding and improving your skill set. Other than these trainings, there's always something to learn from the Japanese office culture. For one, they're very bit on chimuaku, teamwork. It's a very different kind of environment from Western office culture, where it's more about striving and sticking out from the crowd. That's not so much the case in Japan. If anything, you should try to blend in and work towards a common goal with your doryo, co-workers. Rest assured, your experience from working in Japan is not going to be short of learning opportunities. If anything, you'd be overwhelmed by them. Here's a quick vocab recap. 
Shokugyo Kunren, on-the-job training. Shokugyo refers to profession or occupation, and Kunren is training. Chimuaku, teamwork. Doryo, co-workers. The third pro of working in Japan is the benefits. When you work in a Japanese company, you're pretty much taken care of in the nitty-gritty, paperwork, formal aspect of living, anywhere. I'm talking pension, insurance, healthcare. And of course, you secure yourself a working visa. Visa. You can get a year visa or up to three years, depending on what your company offers you. The best part is that your kenko kanri, healthcare, is taken care of. In most companies, there's shakai hoken, which is social insurance benefits. This includes health insurance, pension, and employment insurance. You only pay once for all of them and everything is covered. If your company doesn't provide kenko hoken, to mean Japanese health insurance, you've got to go get kokumin kenko hoken, the Japanese national health insurance. This is one where you get from the ward office. But don't worry, most of the time, the former is sorted out for full-time employees by your company. Oh, and let's not forget public transport compensation. If you looked it up online before, you'd know that transportation in Japan can add up to quite a bit. But here's the thing. Most companies will pay for your commute, and oftentimes it's the cost of a teikiken commuter pass. If you commute to the office five days a week, the teikiken is going to be so much cheaper for you. Heck, it's free if your company covers it. There are also other compensation benefits like fully reimbursed business-related trips, meals, and sometimes even lodging. I have a few friends who have their apartment either fully or partially paid for. So as you can see, working in Japan can be quite appealing thanks to the overwhelming benefits I must add. It's also becoming more and more convenient for foreigners to settle into Japan because Japanese companies are easing their settling-in process for us. Here's a quick vocab recap. Visa Visa Kenko Kanri Healthcare Shakai Hoken Social Insurance Benefits Kenko Hoken Japanese Health Insurance Kokumin Kenko Hoken Japanese National Health Insurance Teikiken Commuter Pass By the way, if you haven't checked out our official website yet, why not give it a browse? At Nihongo Master, we offer efficient Japanese lessons that are quick, easy and fun for Japanese language learners of all levels, from beginners to advanced. Our smart tools will assist you in areas where you need a little bit of a push and congratulate you on the ones you waste. With a community of over 50,000 Japanese students, you're not alone on your learning journey. Make new friends and improve together with our point system, collecting points as you go along. Ask away any questions you have on our group discussion pages. There's sure to be others as well as our Japanese instructors that are quick to answer. You can also take Nihongo Master with you on the go and learn Japanese as you trot the globe. Practical, right? Okay, so we're moving on from the pros to the cons of working in Japan. While I could go on and on about the positive sides of the working culture here, can't deny the negative sides. The first con on the list is loyalty. Just like how it's a positive, it's a negative as well. It depends on how you look at it. The most basic part of loyalty to a company is the commitment. Question is, can you commit your whole life to working in Japan? For some of us, it's a bit of a sacrifice, like leaving your family and everything you've ever known behind. But I'm going to look at a smaller scale. Loyalty to a company applies to your day-to-day efforts and work. And the most famous fact about the working culture in Japan is the long working hours. The fantasy of drinking all night after work is replaced with the reality of takeouts and lack of sleep. That's the harsh reality. 
Japan can have a very tough working culture. The fact of the matter is, you might not even be able to do much at all after work, since many are expected to work overtime, or zangyo suru in Japanese, even though it's not said in any contract or written document. It's an unspoken rule. I heard that, in Japanese word etiquette, you don't leave before the boss. If the boss decides to stay till 10pm, everyone else is expected to stay till 10.30pm. That's just how it is. Let's hope your boss doesn't like overtime as much. The best thing you can do is check your contracts before signing it. Will you be paid for overtime hours or not? But I have heard from some of my friends that they aren't required to work overtime at all, and are in fact shooed out of the office after working hours. Now, that's the dream. Oh, and remember when I talked about benefits? I intentionally left out the benefits of UQ paid leaves. Sure, you definitely get those. You get a set amount of paid off days on top of national holidays. The thing is, I've heard from my Japanese friends that some of them would usually not use them, if possible, since it's seen as slacking off and passing on your work to someone else instead. Some of them would still go to work when they're not feeling well instead of taking sick leave, or byoku in Japanese, for the exact same reason. Whether that's a workaholic mindset, the team spirit, or loyalty to the company you work for, it's just not a common mindset for those from outside of Japan, in my opinion. Here's a quick vocab recap. Zangyo suru, to work overtime. Yukyu, paid leave. Byokyu, sick leave. The second kind of working in Japan has got to be the lack of cross-cultural understanding. If you don't know, most employees in Japanese companies are Japanese. While there are gaikokujin, foreigners, here and there in some companies, not many people have experience communicating with foreigners. A lot of Japanese companies are still very traditional, with very strict rules that are tied to culture and customs of the locals. As a foreigner, this lack of understanding for other cultures, or bunka in Japanese, might come as a shock to you. It's hard enough migrating to a whole new country. Being in a work environment that's completely new to you might just add on to your already full plate. The when in Rome do as the Romans do mentality is pretty prominent in Japanese work culture. They're all about maintaining the harmony, or wa in Japanese. So, when there's a new addition, whether or not you're a local, it's kind of expected of you to fit in as soon as possible to preserve the harmony and peace. This means keeping a low profile and not getting unnecessary attention, listening to your joshi or superiors, adhering to the uniform rules, etc. Now, the thing is, even if you meet all the requirements, don't be surprised if you're still not being treated as one of their own. If you're still treated as an outsider, don't take it to heart. The best advice you can give is to join a company with an already big mix of foreigners. Here's a quick vocab recap. Gaikokujin, foreigner. Sometimes, this can be shortened to gaijin, but has a slightly negative tone to it. Bunka, culture. Wa, Japanese concept of harmony. Joshi, superiors. Our last con of working in Japan on the list is male chauvinism. The gender gap in the workforce in Japan is pretty big. While it's not as bad now as compared to a few decades ago, it's sadly still prominent to this day. This gender inequality is known as danjo byodo in Japanese. There are still more male board members than female. Same goes for managerial positions, director positions, and basically any position of higher rank. I'm not even making this up. In the Global Gender Gap Report in 2020, Japan is ranked 121st on gender gap smallness, which is considered the lowest rank ever for a highly developed country. 
how the index is calculated is based on four indicators, economic achievement, health and survival, economic participation and opportunities among genders, and political empowerment. However, Japan's ranked first in the world for equality between men and women for literacy, education, and birth rate. So, why then are the power positions mostly men? Some say it's because women are expected to take maternity leave, or sankyu in Japanese, which makes them absent for a chunk of time from work. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think that's a strong enough reason for women to not be able to get some higher ranks. There's also the expectation for women to wear heels to work. If you've been to Japan, you're probably aware that you're walking around most of the time. Heels aren't exactly the most comfortable choice of footwear, in my opinion. But hey, I'm pretty sure there are other Ryu reasons for this gender gap. And if not, I have hope that the gap will close up soon. The Japanese company that I used to work for didn't have that gender gap, and I'm pretty sure a lot of other kaishas are like that too. Here's a quick vocab recap. Danjo byodo, gender inequality. Sankyu, maternity leave. The formal version is Sanzen Sango Kyugo. Ryu, reason. Okay, I've covered three pros and three cons, but I have a bonus point. Now, I can't say for sure if this is a pro or a con, so I'll have you listeners decide. The Japanese working culture, or just generally Japanese culture, is a high-context culture. In Japanese, this is high-contexto bunkana nihon. This means that a lot of the time, you don't need to explain much because there's an unspoken understanding between people. It all boils down to a unique Japanese custom called kuki o yomu, which translates to reading the air. It can be likened to the English phrase reading between the lines. You ought to be situationally aware and attentive to not only your own thoughts and feelings, but also of the people around you, all without the need of expressing them aloud. It's one of the most significant and fundamental aspects of Japanese communication culture. Someone who's not able to catch the real meaning of other people's words is often called KY, an abbreviation of kuki yomenai, to mean one who can't read the air. If you're unable to understand the environment you're in, it can cost you, whether it's ruining a relationship or blowing a huge business deal. So in the working culture context, you're expected to predict the consequences of actions and words when you're interacting with other people, as well as realizing your own social status. It kind of forces you to pay attention to signals people are putting out, more than usual, and to put yourself in the other person's shoes. This can affect the feedback you're getting from your superiors and resulting in you not knowing what to do. On the other hand, it trains you to be more alert and attentive to others. There's also the concept of tatemae, which is what one expresses in public, and honne, which is what one truly feels. It links together with how Japanese communication is epitomized by implicitness and indirectness. People are socially obligated to respond according to tatemae, defined by social expectations and opinions, regardless if it contradicts their own honne. That's because importance is placed on demonstrating respect and saving face. If you deny a request directly by saying no, Japanese people believe that that will cause embarrassment and both the invitee and inviter will lose face. Uh, maybe, or I'll consider it, is the Japanese way of saying no, their indication of their honne. Another thing that's linked closely to kuki o yomu and the high context culture is a concept called ichi ieba ju o shiru. This translates to here one, no ten. Subtlety is pretty much key when it comes to Japanese communication. So sometimes, social cues like facial expressions and body language aren't as physically evident. Japanese people believe that people should be so in tune with each other that the verbal words make up only 10%, and 
while the non-verbal ones communicate the remaining 90%. Hear one, know 10. Whether it's a twitch of the mouth or a discreet raise of the eyebrow can be telltale signs of disapproval or reproach. All of that play pretty significant roles in the Japanese working culture. If you decide to work in a Japanese company, be prepared to get as little guidelines as possible and barely any guidance or feedback. They expect you to already know by reading the air. A tip, take brief communication as positive communication in the office. Here's a quick vocab recap. High context to bunkana nihon. Japan is a high context culture. Kuki o yomu, to read the air. Tatemae, what one expresses in public. Honne, what one truly feels. Ichi ieba juo shiru. Here one, no ten. So we talked about three pros and three cons of working in Japan. And our last point, we left it up for you to decide whether it's a pro or a con. What do you think? Let us know your thoughts by commenting on social media platforms. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, head over to the Nihongo Master blog if you're interested in reading up on topics like these some more. And if you're keen on picking up some more Japanese for yourself, pop onto our official website, nihongomaster.com, to learn more. While you're at it, why not get yourself a subscription? Get a head start on your Nihongo journey with Nihongo Master. And thank you so much for listening in. Join me in the next one, where I'll be walking you down the avenue of Japan's rich culture. Mata ne! Mata ne!